Well, are you in Christmas spirits this time of year yet? Are we in a Christmas mood? I mean, it's on us. I mean, whether or not, whether or not we're ready, it's here. Have you, how many of you been shopping so far? Quite a few of you. How many of you have enjoyed watching the Hallmark Channel? Let me see if there's any men. <laughs> oh, there are some. You know, I like the Hallmark Channel too, but I don't have cable. I have Netflix, so if it's not on Netflix, it doesn't happen. Uh, but I, I want to speak uh, kind of this morning as we think about peace. You know, we've got in the Christmas spirit. We're excited about that. You've gone shopping. You watch. You know, why is it that we like Hallmark movies? Because they don't have cursing in them. Uh, that's true. But why else do we like Hallmark movies? Do what? They have great endings. Uh, you know, and, and it's amazing. You'll start watching a Hallmark movie, and you know, particularly at Christmas, uh, they'll have this nice little pane window with the holly there, and the snow's falling, and, and then there'll be this husband and wife with the perfect family, and they're sitting there by the cozy fire, you know, as, as chestnuts are roasting, and they're, you know, the Christmas is in the background, and the family comes in, ho, 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 Merry Christmas, and everything's fine, and then they'll have like a minor conflict, somebody will break a nail or something, or the turkey will, you know... <laughs> The turkey, the turkey won't be quite done. But it's amazing how in a two-hour episode, which typically they are with commercials, and even the commercials are great, aren't they? In a two-hour episode, the world can fall apart, and by the end, oh, it's so nice. I wish I had one of those lives. Don't you? Don't you wish that you had a Hallmark life where everything could unfold and be sorted back up within a two-hour time period? It would put my wife out of business as a therapist, and many of those of you are in counseling, because in two hours, in a two-hour movie, everything unfolds and the drama passes away, and suddenly everybody is at the end of the show going, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. It's like, it's a wonderful life. I mean, you have that whole drama, the old Jimmy Stewart movie. It's a great movie. It's, one of my, it's my favorite movie of the holidays. Everything falls apart in the middle, but in the end, the whole town comes to rescue, and all that money that's been lost is made up for, and everything is happy ending. And at the very end of that movie, what do you see? The Liberty Bell dinging. Everything is at perfect Peace, tranquility. Don't you wish that you had Christmas like that? But I'm willing to bet that our Christmas, we have these lofty dreams. And while we're sitting there on the couch on Saturday night watching the new debut of Hallmark, we're thinking, I wish my life was like that. And it's not. It's never like that. Life never happens like a Hallmark movie. That's why we yearn and long for Hallmark. That's why we go to Hallmark. That's why we buy Hallmark greeting cards. Because I'm going to tell you, if you want, if, guys, if you want something funny to watch, you need to go to a Hallmark store and watch women go pick out the cards, and you'll see them sniffle. It's hilarious. They'll pick up a card, they're in, and, and if people get out tissues, I mean, they need to have tissues on the end of each aisle for all the people that read the Hallmark cards and start crying. What do they do? They speak to the human condition that we yearn to have. We yearn to be at peace 
with self. We yearn to be at peace with others. We yearn to have the perfect Christmas. We yearn to have the perfect family. We yearn to have the perfect life. And what happens is life doesn't unfold like that. And there are many things that you and I, it was not choices that we made. You can't fix your child's problems. You cannot fix your daughter's problems. You can't fix your son's problems. You can only surrender to the Lord what is rightfully His. And that is your will, your desire, your heart. And yet we are struggling time and time again. And this, see, Christmas is great for a lot of people. But on another front, it's not so great. You know, my family, uh, kind of to be, I guess, transparent here, my family for years, I mean, ever since I was born, from the time I was in the womb, we went to my grandmother's on my mother's side for Christmas Eve. We would buy presents for all of them. We were 15, 16, 17 of us that would show up. And I, I say that because every couple of years somebody was born. And so we'd have, you know, 17, 18 people there. And we did that until my grandmother passed away. And then when my grandmother passed away, because my grandfather had, been, uh, had passed away in 1985, long, uh, a good 17 years before my grandmother did, in 2003, we tried, or actually in 2002, after she had passed away in September, we, we, we met again, and we would always do the, it was oyster stew on Christmas Eve, and then we would open packages, uh, and uh, we, were, we were there in 2002, and as we were opening packages, my mother, my aunt, their families are all sitting in the living room by the Christmas tree, bawling their eyes out. Why? Because my grandmother was not that. I didn't see that in a Hallmark movie. I, you know, and, I, and I'm sitting there, and my father, and he I probably won't remember this. He'll, he'll listen to it on the radio later, or on the, on, the, on the website later. But he nudges me, and he says, Well, minister, do something. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know what to say. I mean, in that moment, there's nothing I can say. It was not a hallmark moment. It was not a good moment that anybody wants to remember. And that's why probably none of my family will remember that moment. Because we want to forget those hard times. Now, since then, every year, and I would say in the last five or six years, we don't even go up there on Christmas Eve. So we had a transition. It transitioned to my mother's house on Christmas. And since the pastor here has a perfect family, by the way, and we have such a perfect family uh, in every way. Um, and uh, so we, we would have Christmas dinner at, at my house, at my parents' house, and my entire dad's side of the family would come over. Well, there was a travesty that happened. I'm not going to go into details about it. But something happened between uh, a, a family member, uh, two spouses. And since that happened in 2010, they have not gathered with family at all. Despite us wanting them to come for Christmas. Despite, look, let's, let's, push the, let's, let's deal with these issues and move on. Will not meet. I hope they're listening this morning because I want them to understand it's time to let go. It's time to move on. Life is too short to keep harboring things that really don't matter. It's not a Hallmark moment. It's not one of those peaceful moments for my family. And I'm sure if I went around the room today, you could share snippets of your own family, of your own home life, of your own situation, that, well, this Christmas you'd like to wave a magic wand and just fix whatever that blank might be. 73 years ago this morning, the peace and quiet of a neighborhood was completely obliterated as Japan bombed Pearl Harbor.
I want you to think about it now. I don't know. Was anybody in this room? Was anybody? Was anybody in church on that morning? I don't know if we have anybody of a, that age. Well, it was the largest church attended Sunday the following week, December fourteenth of nineteen forty one, in American history uh, that we know of. The only other one that's come close is September uh, the sixteenth of two thousand one, after the nine eleven uh, situation. But in this seventy three years ago, Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. The peace and quiet ended. We got thrust into a war, and four hundred and seven thousand troops later that died in the battle of World War II, families were completely struggled in chaos. People were waiting to get telegrams, whether it was the holidays or whether it was Easter, whether it was April or June or whatnot. All over this country, the impact was felt by a war that was going on over there, and yet there was a lot of war going on in here where we are. And still today, as we have troops all around the world, whether they're in Afghanistan or Iraq or Qatar or or Yemen or Somalia, wherever they might be, still there are many who this Christmas are not going to have a loved one sitting at the table because their loved one has given the ultimate sacrifice in war, in conflict, and in problem. What about us that sit comfortably in the pew? I wish I could say that war is the only thing that happens in the sense of not having peace. But many of us are not at war in combat mode, but there's a war waging within us that we cannot find rest. We have prayed about it, and it it could be caused by a variety of circumstances. Um, You know, I can't go over all of those. It could be harboring ill will. It could be harboring anger. It could be anxiety. My wife and I were talking this week, and I I was kind of telling her, you know, there's there's certain places that I travel, and I go around, and I just, I I have this, and she calls it anxiety, and I'll trust her because she's a therapist. She goes, it's anxiety, Todd. You've got to be able to work through that. There's places that I can go, and I just get so, so anxious, and so just, I feel like, I told her the other day, I said, I feel like someone is sitting on top of my chest I cannot breathe and I just feel so so she goes it's anxiety it's anxiety and what happens in that moment is the peace that I want the peace that I believe in the Christ that has saved me the Christ who has called me seems not to be dancing or not to be prominent in that moment and so maybe some of you this morning have experienced things like that, or it's not about you being spiritual enough. I am so sick and tired of people saying, if you were just more spiritual, then you would be okay. Listen, spirituality doesn't necessarily fix a divorce. Spirituality doesn't necessarily fix broken relations. Spirituality does not fix sexual abuse or the one who's been sexually abused. Spirituality, that is just a crock of baloney. We don't need more spirituality. We need more the peace of Jesus Christ. Because the only thing that is going to usher in the peace that we are so desperately longing for, the only thing that can make our lives to have a semi-hallmark moment is Jesus. It's not going to be... Listen, listen. When my wife and I first got married, uh, the way I dealt with stress... uh, Let me ask you, how many... What do you think, how would you think I would deal with stress? You got it. Awesome, y'all know me well, it's only been a year. 
when we first moved, when we first got married, when we got stressed, I would go shopping. And I had no intentions of keeping what I bought. I mean, I would go shop, and it felt good to have all those bags. And I would go home, and I would look at the receipt, and I'm like, I can't afford this. And so I would take it back. Uh, and that, I mean, literally, that's what I did. We had to get a grip on that real fast. But I mean, literally, I would go, I would go to the mall, and I would buy, 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 buy. Why? Because I wanted to soothe something that could not be fixed by shopping. You and I cannot fix our situation. We cannot usher in peace. There's no amount of toys. There's no amount of gadgets. There's no amount of relationships. There's no amount of uh, accolades. There's no amount of praise. There's no amount of encouragement that's going to bring peace. The person who brings peace is Jesus. And the sooner that you and I recognize that and we quit trying to find peace in other areas, I'm, and I'm, I'm harping on this because I, it doesn't really matter what Dr. Oz says, it doesn't really matter what Dr. Phil says, it certainly doesn't matter what Oprah says, but you better pay attention, we better pay attention to what Jesus says and what Paul has to say about his relationship with Christ because Paul, above all else, had experienced what it means to be ostracized as a result of pursuing Jesus, of following Christ. He had been shipwrecked, he had been flogged, he had been spat upon, he had been beaten, he had been accused, he had been talked about, and everything else and everything else in between. But Paul still stayed the course. In the midst of everything that Paul was experiencing, there was an ability, an ability to have a reasonableness of faith and action so that it did not tilt either this way or that way. Paul was not a person that was so sick spiritually that, you know what I'm talking about, the people that have been baptized in, in syrup. I mean, it's just ridiculous. People that are, everything's about Jesus. I mean, do you know what I'm talking, do you know the type of people I'm talking about? The people that make you sick to be around because everything's spiritual. Everything's about, oh, I just love Jesus. Jesus and me are best friends. They never have a bad day. They never have a bad day. I want to take a hymn book and hit them over the head because they're liars. They have bad days. Every single one of us has a bad day. Look at your neighbor and say, you have had a bad day. Okay, now stop talking about what you're doing this afternoon. The peace of Christ comes first and foremost when we go before God. I want you to look in verse 6 of this passage. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to whom? Now I want you to notice, very, very critical here, it says, in every situation, not just the ones that you think are worthy to bring to God. In every situation. Why? Because if you and I pick and choose what we bring to God, since when do we know what's best for our lives? You and I don't have the authority, we don't have the foreknowledge, we don't have the wisdom to decide which requests we're going to bring to God and which requests we're going to be, bring to ourselves. And the other thing is that we need to get into a consistent habit of bringing things to God. Even those things that we've kind of written off as, oh, that doesn't really matter. Because here's the thing, I've realized in my own life, sometimes the smallest things can cause the greatest problems in your life 
Don't just go to the Lord with big things. He is not a God that you go to and he's bothered by it, okay? He's not somebody that's going to complain because it's you again? I mean, why? You're always coming to me. You're always bothering me. You're always wanting something. God is saying, I want you in every situation to bring your requests to me. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. In every situation, by prayer and petitioning, going before God, he says, with thanksgiving, present your request to him. Don't worry about your situation. Don't fret over your problems. Use the God-given gift of prayer to seek the face of God and talk to Him. Some of you need to have a conversation with God. Because you're all in turmoil... Because life has not turned out the way you've wanted or something's happened or you've been praying for something and it hasn't happened the way you wanted it to happen. You and your husband or you and your wife are disgruntled and you're, you, you're, you're, you've got anxiety because you didn't plan. You didn't plan for this situation to creep up in your marriage or you didn't plan for this situation to creep up with your child or you didn't plan for this situation to creep up in your family. Well, whether or not you and I plan for it, it's here. It's come and you and I have got to have a sensible way of dealing with it and if we were good at dealing with it we wouldn't have so much anxiety we wouldn't be popping pills left and white and we wouldn't have to have so many conversations with a therapist but in reality you and I are volatile people you and I are only a couple of steps away from imploding unless we go to God in the midst of the situation and present it to him. Many of us, when faced with a situation, the first thing that we do immediately, we go to our closest friends and we talk to them at length about the problem, about the situation, and we talk about the problem in order that we might be able to fix it. Talking about a problem does not necessarily fix the problem it may help you process and get some steps up of steps that you need to take in order to remedy the situation it may allow you to get something off your chest it may allow you to blow some steam or release some steam in your life but ultimately what we are seeking ultimately what our desire is the peace that we want this ability for the chaos to go away and the hallmark moment to come in that is only going to happen when you and I seek the face of God. That's the way he's designed it. God has not designed you and me to be on autopilot and do what we want and deal with life with its curveballs and its hills and its valley. God designed us to be in relationship with one another. Yes, he wants you to have close friends. Yes, he wants you to be able to talk to them in confidence. But God wants you to come before him because your friend didn't save you. Your friend didn't die for you. Your friend is not going to give you a resurrected life, but he is. You and I have got to seek the face of God. And I would submit to you that it's far more important that you commune with God, that you converse with God, than you converse with your friend. And here's the thing. Everybody needs a good friend. Everybody needs a good confidant. But you know what? Friends can fail you. 
friends can give bad advice. But when you go to God, you go to the author and finisher of your faith and my faith, the creator of all things, the person who knows how many hairs are on your head, the person that knows you're going out and you're coming in, the person who fashioned you and made you in your mother's womb, the person who's called you to salvation, the person that's called you to ministry, and the person that can set you free and give you the peace that you and I have been wanting and longing for for years. It begins when we go to him. And the other thing I would say today concerning peace is this. Peace is not the absence of problems. But peace is the presence of Christ in the midst of the problems. You and I can have Bombs basically going off all around us emotionally, psychologically, socially, whatever it might be. And yet we still can be at peace in here even though our world is falling apart. How? Because we are living in the shelter of the Almighty. We have gone to God. We presented our request. We are living in Him. He is living in us. And when you and I walk with God, we are victorious. We are more than conquerors. The peace of God, he says in verse 7, if you look at this, verse 7 he says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means that when you and I seek Him, when you and I present ourselves to Him and present our requests before Him, that the peace that passes understanding will guard our hearts and minds. That means it will guard what we think and what we feel in Christ Jesus. In other words, He's not just going to guard what you think. Because a lot of times what we think is not connected to this. And if we act on how we think without conferring with what it feels or how it impacts, we make mistakes. When you and I make decisions based on what we feel rather than what our minds can tell us, sometimes we will make mistakes. Don't ever make a a decision based on feeling alone. Feelings lie. Feelings are not the litmus test of truth. I can feel like the Bible's not true. Does that mean I'm right? No. I can feel a lot of different things, a lot of different emotions. And here's the other thing that I want to speak to this. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it's of God. There's a lot of things that will make you feel good. There's a lot of experiences that will make you feel like you're on top of the world. But in the end, it is not going to give you the peace and satisfaction that you thought you would get from it. I bet you if we went into a testimonial time and we began sharing transparently and authentically, and you had the opportunity to do that in an environment where you wouldn't be judged and people wouldn't take it out of here and spread it, I bet you there's many of us in this room, many of adults, and I'm, I'm one of them, that have done things thinking, I'm going to get this result out of this. I'm so excited about this. And I go on what I feel, and then in the end, it didn't deliver on what I felt like its promise would be. And so I left far more disillusioned from the experience than what I was when I went to it. 
I bet you a lot of people this morning have done similar things like that. Why? Because we, on this journey of faith and life, we want to have a good life. We want to be fulfilled. We want to have peace. We always want to be on a mountaintop. We don't want to have to struggle. We don't want problems. We don't want conflict. We want the perfect family. We want mom and dad to be together. We want aunts and uncles to be at peace with one another. We want people to put other people's interests before their own. We want everybody to be like Jesus. But guess what? They're not. They're not. Your mom will fail you. Your dad will fail you. And you can hold it against them for a lifetime. But it's not going to bring the peace that you want. Your brother, your sister, they'll fail you. Your church member will fail you. Your deacon, they will fail you. Your pastor, they will fail you. Your youth minister, they will fail you. Your children's minister, they will fail you. Your minister of music, wherever he is, he will fail you. God doesn't. God doesn't. Don't put your faith in people. Don't ever put your faith in me. I will fail you. Put your faith in God. It's not about how much you love your mama or how much you don't love your daddy. It's not a matter how much you love your daddy, you don't love your mama, or how much you love your sister, not your brother, you love your brother, not your sister. None of that really matters. What matters is... Have you gone before God? Have you been transparent with God? Have you gone to God and surrendered your petition, your request, the quick fix or whatever that you've been seeking, the experience that you've been wanting? Have you really sought His counsel, His will for His glory? Peace is not the absence of problems from our lives. It is the presence of God in the midst of our storms. Peace is knowing Peace is knowing that God is present in every single situation, even when you and I don't feel like he's there. And I'm here to tell you there have been moments in my life when I've gone down a journey or gone down a road where I felt like God has been nowhere. I feel like I'm here and God is not even on the same playing field. God's not even in my hemisphere. God's not even in my universe. And I felt so alone and downtrodden and so beaten up and bewildered and so not at peace. But I want to tell you that in the midst of that the reason that I could not sense God is because God was within me God was not beside me God was not holding me God was inside of me working these things out and so I could never look to my side and see him I could never look behind me and see him I could never look forward and see him because he was here because God's not interested in fixing what's on your left or what's on your right or left or on the front or in the back or up or down God is interested in fixing this inside because this is what matters this is what has to be changed this the heart is what has to be transformed because without a heart transformation you and I will never experience peace that we so desperately need peace is knowing that God is present in every situation peace is sensing that God is present holding you in the midst of your trauma Peace is understanding that God is there when you need Him. And peace is experiencing the protection of God when life has reached its most tumultuous moment. Peace. The peace of Christ. The hope of the world. 
the joy of salvation, the love of God. That is what Advent is all about. The peace of Jesus. And I pray that this Christmas, that you don't get the tacky tie, and you don't get the awful sweater, and you don't get those socks, and you don't get those shoes, and you don't get that iPad or whatever else that you want. I pray above all what you get is just a simple understanding. It's a simple understanding. I pray that you get his peace. And let his peace not just shower over you, but let his peace saturate your heart, your home, your family, your workplace, your school, and this church. Because when the peace of Christ saturates, permeates, continually, continually gets inside of here, this heart, that anxiety, that stress, that fear, that vein that pops out on your forehead, that vein that pops out on your neck, it will do it less and less and less. And you will be more healthy physically. Can I get a doctor to say amen? You'll be healthier physically. You'll be healthier spiritually. And you will be far more enjoyable to be around than you ever were before this season. Can you imagine if we were completely transformed, if every single man, woman, and child in this church was transformed by the power of Christ, and we saw other people's will before our own, we had the peace of Christ reigning in our hearts, we would forgive where we need to forgive, we would move on where we need to move on, we would let go of what happened two decades ago that doesn't mean a hill of beans to anybody else, We'd let go of all that junk and just say, God, in this moment, from this day forward, give me eyes that only see forward, not eyes that are looking backward, not eyes paying attention to what's on my left, not eyes that are paying attention to who's on my right, because I'm not running against these people. I'm running with these people towards you. Christmas would be different. Our walk with Christ would be different. Our families would would be different. And our church, his church, would be transformed. All because of us going to God with thanksgiving, presenting our requests before him, and having his peace rain down. You can truly, you and I can truly have a hallmark moment. And it will be so much greater than what Hallmark could produce on television. Because it would be real. It would be so much better than the greatest card that you've ever received. Because it would be realized. Your life and your family's life would be radically transformed. Listen, 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 parents. Quit trying to make decisions for your children when they have long since moved on and they're out of the house, you are not responsible for them any longer. You can encourage them. You can lead them and guide them. But they have to make their own decisions. You can't make it for them. Let it go. Let it go. 
But you present your requests before God. And you seek His face. You've done what you've needed to do. Quit focusing on what you could have done and should have done. Hindsight's always 20-20. Focus on what you can do now. Pray for people. Seek His face. Let us present our request to Him. The peace is the promise that passes understanding. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your peace. And Lord, for our lives that so often don't match up to what we hope for and what we hoped we would have and the experiences that we hoped would be realized. Sometimes uh, Christmas can be such a depressing time because our families are not the perfect little family that we dreamed of as children. We're not as resilient as we used to be as a child. We've come to the realization that there are broken relationships, there are broken families, there are broken hearts. We find that as we look back over the years, we see that mom and dad really weren't as happy as what they pretended to be. And in reality, we weren't as happy as we had hoped to be. God, we can spend our lives focusing on that. Or we can just trust you in this moment for the now. Lord, I pray that the hope that we spoke of last week, the peace that we've talked about today, will be ushered into our lives. Where relationships have been broken, may the peace of Christ reign in them. Where there are situations and problems that we simply cannot fix on our own, may we present them with thanksgiving, our requests to you. And may you guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus through the peace that overwhelms our understanding. Lord, if there's anyone here today that wants to know the peace of Christ in a real and personal way, we want to give them the opportunity to do that. They may say, Lord, I just want, I just I just want, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of battling. I just want to release myself to you. If that's someone's prayer today, we pray that you have the courage that you need to walk an aisle and simply say, Todd, I want to know more about the peace of Christ. There's others who need to focus on their relationships, either with their spouse or their families, their kids, their co-workers, wherever it might be, schoolmates, whatever, whatever the case Lord, may you give us the opportunities, the conversations that need to be had. Lord, to speak the peace of Christ. Lord, help us, as my wife reminded me this week, take the higher road. Always take the higher road. Always speak peace and encouragement to people's lives, even when they've not done it for you. The peace of Christ that passes all understanding will guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your peace. Thank you for Jesus who ushers in the peace and salvation that we so desperately need. Thank you for this season. Thank you for this church family, the body of Christ, who continues to journey and to grow in you. May we live at peace with one another. And may we be unified under a common purpose. And that is to seeing all people come to the saving knowledge of Christ, that they might have the peace, the spiritual peace, that is only ours in Christ Jesus. And it's in God's name we pray. Amen.
If you're here this morning and you need to make a decision perhaps to trust in Christ, maybe recommit your life to Him, maybe to work on broken relationships, maybe you want to come to this altar and present your request to God, whatever it might be. We want to give you an opportunity to do that. This invitation is a prayer moment. It is an invitation to prayer. Whatever the prayer might be, let me tell you something. Every single one of us needs to pray. Every single one of us needs to respond because there are things that are going on in your life, my life, in the life of the community, in the life of our families that we need to seek the counsel of God. So in this invitation, I simply ask as we open the floodgates and as we open this altar, won't you come Won't you pray? Won't you be obedient? Won't you walk an aisle and say, you know what? I am going to commit to praying for this situation. I'm going to commit to being a person of peace. I want the peace of Christ to reign in me. I don't care if there's no one that ends up singing. I want you to be at peace with one another and at peace with Christ. Won't you come? Won't you receive Christ? Won't you pray for the peace? The peace that can be yours in Him as we go to this invitation.